Hello. Welcome to Believe Before Believing, where nicknames are better than real names. I'm Patrick Mathers, pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, and Jennifer Gumpy is sitting across from me, sweet little tender elder of our little church. What's up, Jen? Elf bear. Extraordinary. <laughs> that is my singular favorite nickname for you, is Jennifer. Call me Jennifer. sometimes you act like a chick and I just say, hey, Jennifer, what's up? <laughs> what's the other one that you call me? Uh, stupid? <laughs> No, there's another one. Chumpy McGee. Chumpy McGee. That's yeah. like my... It's a more generic one. That's my catch-all for people who are just kind of like... Chumps. Chumps, <laughs> yeah. I love nicknames. Dude, I, I would call people nicknames... I would not call people their real names if I could get away with it. Like, I would just Most call everybody a nickname. I know. I love nicknames so much. My favorite you is know, when you know of, people's real names, but re- you refuse to call them. I refuse them to call them <laughs> people, like, people like socks. <laughs> Donuts. <laughs> no, I don't know donuts. I do know Sox's real name. <laughs> that guy just came in. Oh, that's a great story. What? So this guy just rolls in. We're going to talk about how church. Rachel is like over there just sitting okay. patiently in I front of the microphone. two concerns. Wait, do I ever A, what is you? my nickname? And yeah. B, no one's introed me yet. Do I have a nickname for you? You call me Chick sometimes, and that's about it. That's it? Just Chick? Like, I don't think there's another one that I'm aware of. But I'm pretty deaf, so... No, you know what? You... Okay, so... Hey, idiot. I'm not called you idiot. Oh, that's just him. That's just him. And he said it. it. Yeah. (laughs) You have digital evidence of that. No, no. But you're kind of like my sister in that we're very similar in some ways. And we kind of have a wavelength thing going in some ways. But that's not my nickname. Is not... Like, you don't call me, hey, sis... No, for sure I don't. That'd be, no. That, even that'd be weird, even though I'm saying it. You call me chick. That's like literally yeah. all you call me. Yeah. I, that's, And that's like a kind of catch-all. Great. I'm in the catch-all women bucket. That's okay. Yeah, but that's I'm like, in the catch-all chumpy McGee bucket. No, but that, see, that's pejorative. <laughs> or Jennifer. That's pejorative. Like Both Jennifer. of them are pejorative. No, and yours, you is, yours is mildly affectionate. No, there like, you go. Like there's, there's, I'll you, take it. Yeah, there's positive there, whereas you, it's just like, I don't even care. I'm just like. Talking smack. You can't point on a podcast, dude. I am pointing. I think sometimes you can hear a point. Listen. Sometimes you call me like everyone heard hey, that. Hey, like I'm just like the blank. Ray Ray. The hey, no, your daughters call me Ray I know, Ray, and they invented right. that. You're right. So they do. they do. All right. I say it sometimes at home. I think when we're referencing you. Excellent. Hey. Anyway, I'm on the podcast. To my right is Rachel Gumpy, Deacon Candidate of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Oh, nice. And right. by the time this airs, wife of Brian Gumpy, Jennifer Gumpy, Jennifer Gumpy. Wow. Elder this himself. Be our most scandalous episode yet. <laughs> it kind of maybe might be. I don't know where this goes. Oh. Give me all your loving, all your hugs and kisses too. Oh, you're, nice. You're gonna get copyrighted for music infringement. No one is going to sue me for what I just did. For except, sure, no bots are going to attribute that to ZZ Top. <laughs> except they're gonna say they're gonna sue me to stop doing it. Cease and desist order. That's what I'm gonna get for that. Probably. It's not for the song. It's for my singing. So did you just bring up the nickname thing so you could call me Jennifer on the record? Well, no. Or did you but have more to talk about? I like nicknames. I can talk about them for days. <laughs> They're so much better than like normal names. I do. Because you know why? Here's why. Here's why. It's because they communicate a level of 
knowledge of somebody that you wouldn't have otherwise. And it could be bad knowledge. It could be good knowledge. I call you Patty Pan, and I always think Patty Pan squash in my head. In my head. So there was not a, that you eat. So squash. when I was a kid, the but that's the, just what I think. The nickname that I got in elementary school was Patty, and I hated it because there was a Patty at she our was school. A girl. And well, yeah, she was a girl. Like Jennifer. No, no, no. Jennifer was Jennifer was a friend of mine, and we were like good. She's the one who actually, when I first got saved, took me to like my first Bible studies and stuff. Like our relationship was that I tried to get her to go raving with me, and she tried to get me to go to Bible studies, <laughs> and that was our whole relationship. And then when I got saved, she like totally took me to Bible study. So did you ever get her to a like rave? No, 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 I'm no, just no. And she's one of my oldest Christian friends that's actually still doing really good. And so, yeah, there's that. But, that's why he calls me Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but Patty, she was terrible. She was a witch with a B. And oh, it was geez. awful. It was oh, awful. And so when they would call me that. Man, it, it just drove me nuts. How, made, how old were you when you were really like third and fourth grade? Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, this is when Joel is like in his car, <laughs> just begging and pleading that we He's get just to hitting that, already. that fifteen second <laughs> button repeatedly. He's like having a seizure over there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, question of the day. Question is, why Give should me all you love it? I can't believe there's two of you. <laughs> so good. So much. This is so good. Why I love Rachel in the room. Hashtag the newest podcast member. I don't know why I'm hashtagging I everything. I'm very wait sorry. Until there's a recording of how often I get interrupted by the two of you. So every time you interrupt me a lot, that and so now when she's oh, did here, did you just I'm interrupt me to say that? <laughs> yes, I did on purpose. I'm going to take every advantage I can. I interrupt now because it's like I have to to survive. It's eat or be eaten out here. Goodness. <laughs> okay, talk. Do you, Do you want to hear what our question is? You, you have my permission. Okay, Joel. Just so, just so you know, Joel just Wait, hit the scroll fifteen going. seconds four times you're between the time that we pointed it out and now. You didn't say the question. All right, the one. Why should you wait till you get married to have sex? Give me all your loving. Oh, see, I was thinking more. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. Oh, see, you know more than I do. I ran out of anyway. I, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was before you threw all your Christian music that? off a cliff. There was there I was a was song that when I was point. in like fourth or fifth grade, that was like just the word sex over and over and over and over again. And I don't remember if it was that song or if it was a different song. Was it Dude Too Sexy for His Shirt? No. You know that guy? That was definitely not her in third or fourth grade. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, but that like, might have been like by the time it trickled down to her like, little homeschool self. Oh, no, no, no. So I was at my friend's house who lived down the street because we listened to classical music and and that's it. Um, but I heard it on the radio and I'm like, was so flabbergasted. Like, they allow this on the public airwaves. I don't know what song it was, though, because I'm terrible. So one of my music. daughters, who I'm not going to name, oh, dear. one time we were listening to, I think it was Bob FM, which just, they, their tagline is they Bob play the everything. From no, 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 no. I, their tagline is they'll play anything. <laughs> and that song, One Week from the Bare Naked Ladies, came on. It's been one week since I've been Yes, that song. 
They had Starts to right. Touch and the General Lee in their video. It was so awesome. So that song came I don't on. No, we were... when Bare Naked Lady started sounding like Tom Waits. Like... <laughs> I mean, things happen. It's great. It's great. Can you imagine Tom Waits covering One Week by Bare Naked Lady? <laughs> oh, it's, I bet it's out there somewhere. I honestly, guarantee dude. you that it's not, but I would pay Tom. Oh, dollar dude, for it. I don't know. He does. All... Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me finish the story. <laughs> so like my daughter was like you. Was Joel's appalled. still scrolling. Sorry, <laughs> Joel. Was appalled that the name of the band was Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, she was. One like, of my favorite bands in high school was the this. New Pornographers. Yeah. And one yeah. time I couldn't listen to them on like Yahoo Music or something when that was a thing because it was like flagging it is inappropriate. But the new pornographers are so good. They came out with like Ted Leo and then other people came out of that band and they were like, never mind. No one, uh, no one, no, no people one knows listening will know. I don't no, know. What no, you're talking no, about. no. I was so music pretentious yeah. in my youth. And you're not anymore. From Oregon. No, I listen to Top 40 Radio all the time and he can't no, stand No, I mean just it. pretentious. Oh, no, I'm still probably yeah, pretentious. A little bit. Um, but that's fine. Anyway, we're moving on to okay. the meat. <laughs> Podcast meat, guys. Get it together. This is the difference between guys and girls. <laughs> She's like talking about like the actual content, uh, and you and me are like giggling about the innuendo. Joel, Joel, scroll back fifteen <laughs> seconds real fast. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, uh, okay. okay, I can leave now. No, you no, no. Okay, this question is honest. It, it's honestly pretty simple. The the hitch in the giddy up is going to be, well, just everyone does it, or why can't I do it with somebody who I love, right? I love them. And the assumption behind that is that it, I believe that it's a misunderstanding of marriage. And so I think the first thing to do would be go back to the beginning and look at when God saw Adam and he was alone, that he said, it is not good for men to be alone. And that one of the very first, in fact, the very first mandate or commandment or instruction given to men and women once Adam and Eve were together was to be fruitful and multiply, to to go out and procreate, to get it on. And one of the things there that that immediately communicates to us is that God intended sex and God intended sex to be something that was in the relationship of marriage. And it's a good and wonderful thing in the context of marriage that we're supposed to, as a man and a wife, come together, and the Bible says, become one flesh. So one of the things with marriage, I I love Doctor Who. And (laughs) you didn't know I was going there. Nope. Nobody did. I know. (laughs) So I love Doctor Who. There's this one episode when Matt Smith was the eleventh doctor, and he goes to modern day London and he gets into he, he gets stuck there and he needs help from of all people James Corden. And James Corden, of course, is playing this other part and he's living with this gal. But one of the things that he says there is that, you know, we don't need to get married because it's just a piece of paper. And I think that kind of idea takes away from the value that God has placed in marriage and sex within marriage, that it's not just a piece of paper. It is covenantal vows. If you just think marriage is just a piece of paper, then why even get married? It doesn't make any sense at all to get married. 
except for maybe some kind of benefits or something somewhere along the line. But if marriage is actual covenantal vows that I make before God and before my friends and before um, my pastor and before the church, that I'm vowing these things to this other person that I don't vow to anybody else ever in any way, shape, or form, all of a sudden the meaning of that wedding changes. And that means the meaning of marriage changes as well. And that's where God has instituted sex to be. So the question saying, well, why can't we have sex before marriage, is if if we let that stand just like it is, it's minimizing marriage, and it's just making sex an act that, well, you can do with anybody anywhere as long as you're both consenting adults. And so what we would want to do is go back and say, well, why is there sex in the first place? It isn't just like, you know, just the fun thing. It's God instituted it to definitely have fun with your with your spouse and also to procreate and to bring children into the world. If you're having sex outside of marriage, then the idea is that you're not really interested in bringing children into the world. You're just, you're just fooling around with something that was meant to be for something else, something that was more holy, something that's more sacred. Yeah. Um, so what I hear you saying, especially in the beginning of that, is like the words still matter, which is something that I feel like depending on who you talk to, I feel like we have some people who would say like words don't mean anything anymore. They're just words. And then you have other people who say words mean everything anymore. But, um, no in between just, just those two sides. But words have meaning. I mean, no matter, I'm talking, if somebody wants to say words are just words. They're still saying words to say those words. And there's a meaning implied behind those words. But like the word marriage, is that what you're saying? No, I'm talking about the vows themselves. Yeah. Yeah. The vows themselves. Yeah. Um, they do, because when I say, when I look across and I look in Andy's eyes and I say at one point in time that I, for better or for worse, for sickness or in health um, and all those things, till death do us part, I am making covenantal vows. It isn't just, it isn't just words. It's those words mean something. And you know, right now, like I'm not looking at Rachel as I'm saying those words. Cause you're even, looking at me. I'm trying to look at your phone. I don't want to look at anybody because it's weird saying them to anybody else because those words do have such meaning and such value. And when I say those words and I vow those vows and I make that covenant and then go forth and have sex with my wife and we consummate the marriage, we become one flesh. You know, there's that passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about that we, that Christians had to be warned for this that you shouldn't go sleep with prostitutes because in doing that you have the spirit of God within you and you are now becoming one with that woman and you're bringing the spirit of God into that relationship. Nobody thinks like that, but we need to think like that. And so I think the reason this is a good question is that we want to put that out there and get people thinking that what you're doing is more than just having fun with somebody. It's more than just, a fling. It's you are in some sense bonding your soul with somebody else and then going on and doing it again with somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And there's going to be some damage done there, unfortunately. It's not irreparable. It's not damning, but it's damage that's being done that is unnecessary. And, and 
really is, it makes a, what's the best way to say this? It definitely makes a healthier relationship in the context of marriage when there hasn't been these multiple partners. For me, I, I was with people before we were married. My wife wasn't. And so that there, to be honest, was some things that emotionally we had to get over and get through when we first got married because of the past that I had had. And there's a lot of guilt and, you know, things that I had to get over. And the, um, and she had to get over. And the, the same thing's going to happen in any relationship where there has been that kind of activity that's gone on before. So really what it is, is it's a protection. It's God knows your soul better than you. He knows the value of it better than you. He knows what it, what it is made up better than you because he's the one who gave it to you. And if he's saying, and, you know, don't go do this because you're becoming one spiritually in some sense with this person, and then you're going and doing it again and again repeatedly with the Spirit of God within you, I think he knows what he's talking about. And we could be doing more damage than we know. Right. And it comes down to it really is in a way that we probably don't think about in these terms. It's, it's something that we do by faith, that we were obedient by faith, knowing that, like you said, God knows what he's doing when he asks this of you. He knows that there's benefit to doing what he asks. He knows that there's negative consequence by disobeying what he asks. And so really, do you believe that God means what he says when he asks you to behave in a certain way or not behave in a certain way? Do you believe that it's for your benefit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I have a question for you. So what do you say to somebody who says, okay, yeah, it made sense. No sex until you're married back then. Back then, people got married when they're like 17. Or, got or married, 14. Or 14 or whatever else. And, you know, by the way our anatomy is, um, you're reaching you know, sexual maturity um, and putting off marriage later and later and later now. And it's just not reasonable for somebody who's, you know, in their mid-20s to abstain because, you know, oh, back then they got married so young. It wasn't, it wasn't hard. Why would you not get married until you're in your mid-20s or 30s? I mean, I... Well, people I, don't I, get married Yeah, all the I know, time. I know, I know that's the case. But what my point is, is that there's... Just because a shift happens culturally doesn't mean that we're obligated to go along with that shift, you know? And what I mean by that is that I'm not saying get married at 14. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But I'm definitely saying that there are other cultural factors for why people are waiting later and later and later and later to get married. And therefore, having sex when they're younger and before they're married because they don't want to wait around till they're married because they want to have fun and they want to, you know, whatever reason that, that they want to do that. So there's extenuating circumstances behind that. But so what, what I was thinking is that, you know, that, that um, this, is, this is a silly story, and it's probably not the best illustration, but it's the one I think of. When they made the Pinto car, <laughs> they, they were trying to compete with Japanese small Datsun, <laughs> Nissans, um, Toyota cars that were very fuel efficient, and they were just crushing the American market. And so they made these Pintos, and the first thing that they did was they moved the gas tank to the back underneath the truck, trunk, mm-hmm. because that made for more room. 
and it worked great. But what they didn't realize initially is that they were actually doing more harm than good by moving the gas tank back there because it became a, a threat of explosion on impact. Now, there was only about 100 or so of them that actually did it, which is 100 more than there needed to be. I get that. But you, you'd think, the way people talk about it, that every Pinto ever exploded on impact, and that just wasn't the case. But they, they, they did more harm than good by trying to do a good thing, make a small economical car that was American-made that people thought, that's a good thing. So you'd think, oh, I love this part. You know, I can't wait to see how you tie this in. No, right? you, you, <laughs> you, 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 you're doing more damage than you are good, and you don't realize it initially. You think, oh, there's maybe a twinge of guilt the first couple times you go out and you have sex before you're married. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm having fun. It's this. And then you're, you're in this place where you're doing this as a regular lifestyle. And then when you actually do think, oh, I want to settle down or I want to be with this person, now suddenly you have a lot of emotional and spiritual, frankly, spiritual baggage along these lines. I have counseled so many people over the years that after they've got married, they realize that sexually they're having problems and not compatible. And it isn't because, oh, they just didn't live together before they were married to figure out if they're compatible or not. No. It was the guilt and it was uh, all these issues that had come because they had had multiple partners before they got married. But the reason why is not just because, you know, Christians want to be killjoys and they're just like, you know, just... Yeah, killjoys, I guess, is the best one, buzzkills. But the fact is is that what we're saying is that, well, God made us, and he know, He designed us, so he knows best how we're to function. And if he says that we're to marry our wives, and I'm to be faithful to my wife, and I am you know, to have sex with her and her alone, then I'm going to say that God knows better than I do about this, and that I'm going to take his word for it over society's or culture at this point. Right. So this is really good and and great if you've never had sex with anyone in your entire life. Yeah. But this is a podcast that m- most people are going to start listening to. Probably, I wouldn't say anyone earlier than like early 20s is going to be listening to this. So how do you come back from having sex with multiple people or whatever and like you want to you want to understand how you can get ready to be married to someone or maybe you're engaged to someone or about to be engaged to someone or about to be married to someone like what what is your I know we're running out of time but your condensed level of advice to to move people away from what they've been doing into what would be more glorifying to God in their future marriage yeah so um the initial reaction I could totally see being a knee-jerk response and just, you know, just, um, yeah, knee-jerk response, just completely cutting everything all out together. That's great if you can do that. Um, and if you can't, I would counsel somebody that what you need to do is you need to start thinking about these things and think them through. And I would want to probably set them up with somebody to walk them through this particular issue as they're going through it, which I have with guys before. I wouldn't do it with women. I would have somebody else. My wife has done that in the past. I'll send them your way, Rachel. Um, but one of the things that we would want to do is we would want to say that you're, if you really want to glorify God with your life, 
then the thing that you want to do from here on out is to start honoring God with your life and not have sex. If you're probably going to need help with that, and that's okay. It's you, You're probably, some people, I understand the guilt and shame that comes with certain sins, and this is one of those things that, that, that it does come with. But there's so much grace that comes from the Lord that we aren't in the business of beating people up. We're in the business of seeing people restored rightly to the Lord. And so what we would want to do is lovingly caring, you know, as gingerly, not because I'm redhead, but gingerly <laughs> as we can, bring people along and walk with them through this. You know, Galatians chapter 6 says that we're to bear one another's burdens. And this is an area where people have some serious burdens. And maybe they don't even realize it until they hear something like this. And, you know, I, I understand there's going to be some people that are just repulsed by this. And the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, well, I'm done listening to this. Well, I hope not. I hope you you hear this out, think it through, and really even pray about these things, you know, and start asking God, God, is, is you know, here's how I've been living. Is this right? Is this the truth? And if you're convicted and persuaded that it is, then find seek out somebody who can help you, who can walk you through these particular, walk you through this to the point where that when you do get married, hopefully that you're, um, have, will have be able to overcome some of these um, issues before you get married so that it isn't all of a sudden you do get married and, man, it blows up in your face, which it has for me personally, and I know it has for other people. I think we need to be careful, too, in the way that we classify different types of sin. I think that this is something where we try to treat it like it's completely or cut and dry, um, where it's like binary. You're a virgin or you're not, which is, I mean, yes, that's true. But at the same time, like how many other sins like do we treat that way where like, oh, like, have you ever like lost your cool and said something that you shouldn't before? Oh, you have? Like, oh, well, there you go. That's that's just the way you are now. Yeah. You, you wear the scarlet A for anger. Yeah. Like, there's so few types of sin where we treat it that way, where, you know, once you break the seal, mm -hmm. as it were, then it's just like a an extra burden, an extra heap of shame that we put on those people. We're like, oh, there's no going back now. Yeah. Where, what do you do when you sin in any other way? You you repent and, you know, you you do the best you can to turn and to be obedient to your father in heaven. I mean, what, I mean, what else do you do for anything else? Right. I'm, you, I'm pulling it. Oh, go ahead. Keep talking. No, that's about what I was going to say. I was just going to say, what kind of expectation do you have for somebody when they're trying to turn from some other kind of or sin? It's so, 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 so rarely any kind of like cold Turkey, like turning from any kind of habitual sin. And I feel like we can keep, I mean, I don't, I don't want to give people outs where, you know, I don't want to give people excuse to sin, but at the same time, I don't want to heap unrealistic expectations on somebody where they get frustrated and they just give up, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. And I'm, I'm trying to remember where this passage is. The Lord does, okay, it, it is treated a little differently because the... The Bible says that all the other sins you commit um, outside your body, but this one you commit with your body, and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
So there is a sense where even God says this one is different. And I think that's probably why. However, you're right. What we don't want to do is we don't want to say, well, now you're just damaged goods and broken. Yeah. I think there's so, a lot of shame related to that yeah. statement and the sentiment of that statement within the overall church at large in our last like few episodes of the big C versus the little C. Like mm-hmm. That especially gets reflected on women in the church. Like If they have been in any way sexually active before marriage, they're like damaged goods right. over and above men even yeah. in church yeah. who are not like they're not looked at in that way. Right. So that's a problem. It, that's a huge problem. Right. Like and they like how do they how do they move past that and how do they continue to inter like how do they come out from that and ever feel good about themselves ever again? Or what I've seen so many times on the flip side is the shame is heaped upon women yeah. especially and then they're like, well, screw this. Like, I see a huge double standard, not only with this sin between male and female, mm-hmm. but this sin versus any of the other sins that I see all of you committing as well. Like, I'm out. I don't have time for this. Yeah. So what first thing I would say is that the church has it completely backwards when they do shame and heap the guilt on the woman instead of the guy, because the passage in Corinthians is specifically talking to men. And the men are the one who actually bear the guilt there in that scenario. So when we heap and put shame upon the woman who um, has had sex before they're married and not the guys. In fact, we should twice as much the guys as we do the women because of the way Paul speaks there in 1 Corinthians. So you're absolutely right. So what? How how do we help people pass that? One of the things that we want to do is say, look you are new in Christ Jesus. You are a new creature in him that old things have passed away. All things have become new and you are a sweet and precious daughter or son of Christ of, you know, of the Lord. And that what has happened in the past has happened. We're not going to minimize that. We're going to, it's part of who you are. However, God has so much grace for that. I mean, there's people who as Christians still struggle with this is there grace for them. Yeah. They're, you know, single Christians, they're, you know, people who've gone out and committed adultery. Well, are, is that unpardonable? No, of course not. You know, that's outside of the bounds of marriage. The Bible says that if you look on lust with a woman, again, it's the men doing it, right? That's what Jesus says. Then you've committed adultery in your heart. Again, it's, it's the men doing it, but we don't treat that the same. So you're right. That's totally unfair for the church to have done that. So the best thing that we can possibly do is, again, come alongside people, show them grace, show them love, and, and encourage them and explain to them it, you're not damaged goods. Or if you are, that's because we all are in so many different ways. So um, that's so we shouldn't do that. But when we do, and most people have uh, had sex before marriage or outside of marriage, um, one of the things that we need to do is, number one, acknowledge that. But we don't want to minimize that it's sin. But what we don't want to do is ever, ever um, focus on the sin, but rather point people towards Christ and the grace that's in him. It has to come back to grace, 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 just like every single sin. It has to come back there. And um, we're, right here we're talking about principles. If I were sitting down and counseling somebody, which is what you're getting at, there's so many questions I would want to ask because 
there's so much nuance in everybody's unique situation. So I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say exactly how I would help a person right now without having heard their story and having heard where they're at, you know, if, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, a couple that's living together and well, right now they're, they're living together and they can't, you know, there's no other place. They're in a mortgage or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I have, and I would not counsel them to separate (laughs) and that's going to sound crazy to people, our Christian listeners, but it's what I've done, and I would I would do it again, and I would I would want to, and I have made sure I had a very good close conversation with those people, and just see where they're at, and make sure that if you know how's the struggle going, how are you guys doing with this, and and so that they can see that I care, they can see I'm asking these questions. I'm not trying to heap guilt on them. I genuinely love them, and I'm not trying to add a burden to them. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to relieve a burden from them. And as the church, that's what we have to do. I don't want to walk on eggshells, but at the same time, we we have to we we have to say it for what it is, all the while, as it were, with our arms around them. You know, is that's what that, I was gonna say. Is because <clears throat> you asked, like, what should they do, and like get you to a church where they actually exercise grace. Yeah, I mean. I, I, if you're really struggling with the guilt and the shame and the stigma and everything else surrounding it, then, I mean, certainly that could be happening like in your family, in your circle of friends or whatever else, but it doesn't sound like you're plugged into a church that's really exercising grace. And I mean, that's what you need for, you know, the, um, for the exhortation, for the, you know, bringing you along and the transparency of like, yeah, like that's, that, that is sin, but also for the, the restoration piece where you're, you're not going to just get completely buried by this, where people are going to be able to love on you and be able to be a resource to you, to be able to counsel you and things like that. Um, and this is not something that needs to be, you know, the beginning of the end for somebody's it's, it's you know, not the spiritual health. Damnation. Yeah. Well, like, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm but, talking about. But I about, think that there's a lot of like people feel churches like and groups that yeah. that that heap this like you're done. You're done. Yeah. You're yeah. done. And then, but it's but it's not. Jesus, he. I've heard it said before that he's tough and tender on sin, or he's tough with sin, but he's tender with the sinner. And while that's kind of cliche, I think there's some truth to that. And I think there's some truth to the way we should treat people in, in being like that. Meaning, you know, when Peter uh, falls into sin and he, you know, again, he, he denies the Lord three times. Jesus tells him ahead of time, this is what you're going to do. But I'm going to pray that you come back. And when you do, I'm going to restore you. He's he tough. He tell he tough. He's tough. He tells him right up front. Here's what's going to happen with you. But at the same time, he's tender with him and says, "Just you know, once that happens, I'm still going to restore you." Peter goes away and he's grieved. He's broken. It's literally he's sobbing convulsively in the fetal position. Is is the best literal translation of what happens to Peter after that sin. But the very next time he sees Jesus, Jesus lovingly restores him and brings him right along and says. Go feed my sheep. I'm restoring you to ministry. 
it's okay. Almost like putting his arm around him and just going, yeah, you did that, but it's all right. Let's move on. Let's move past this. And I think that's the way we need to be. We, we would be better serving people outside and, and in the church who are struggling with this sin if we were uh, that kind of tough and tender like Jesus is. Yep. Well, that's a good question of the day. Maybe I got one here. Hold on. Do I? Oh, yeah. Here you go. What is a popular musician that you just don't get? Why is this person popular? You want to know mine? I heard it today. Billy Joel. (laughs) Cardi B. Cardi B. (laughs) Literally a train wreck. Yeah, well, I don't get Billy Joel. Like, I heard Uptown Girl today, and I'm like, how is this even? It's just like so kitschy. I don't. I know who Cardi B is. I don't know a Cardi B song. Okay. You don't want to. Okay. So if you're gonna if you're gonna do a, an old school one, then I'm gonna do my old school one that people like. Cardi B. Like sh- right now. Yeah, like literally. You right did second. Billy Joel. Oh, I did Billy Joel. Okay. All right. See. Okay. Down girl. Okay. Real quick though, the thing about Billy Joel that always blows my mind is that Uptown Girl. We Didn't Start the Fire and Piano Man are all the same, same dude. song. No. Oh, I mean, They dude. couldn't be more different. That's yeah, the point. Like, so different. How is that like the same dude? Anyway, mine, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd? You, you were just talking with your brother about how you wanted a Pink Floyd record. Because it's valuable. Uh, End that, of story. Okay, <laughs> if you want something only because it's valuable, not because you love it, that's dumb. It's you're dumb. It's a, your wife said I you're collect dumb. records. Hey, it's dummy. a valuable record. I said record. that's dumb. I didn't say he was dumb. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't Let me, anyway. let me roll with this. Let me roll with this. Anyway. Hey, dummy. <laughs> What's Who's a popular mega... musician that you just don't get? <laughs> Old or new? Yeah. Question of the day. Question of the day. We're going to make it in under 40 minutes. So, boys and girls, we believe you belong. <laughs> Later. Later. <laughs>